What's going on, guys and gals? It's 8-Bit Ray from the Gorilla Brain Podcast, and you are listening to the Geek World All-Star Podcast Network. Hello. Uh, there you are. Here uh, I am. Ah, all I'm getting is low gruntle sounds out of John. Uh, Put that thing away, man. <laughs> what thing are you it's, fam- about? it's a family show. Welcome to the continued podcast adventures of Superhero Speak. But I think many of the people that love this character and that love superheroes in general have used these stories as inspiration to say, you know what, I'm going to do something good in the world. I'm going to make a difference like my hero when I was a kid. That is my fondest memory of it because when when you're doing comic books, you want them to affect people. Right. You want people to care. You want you want to strike emotions. And I knew that that clone saga was striking a lot of emotions. Can you yep. imagine uh, Pulp Fiction starring Goofy and uh, Mickey Mouse? I can totally imagine that. <laughs> I'm no sure somebody's written that Quarter Pounder with cheese and France. What? <laughs> <laughs> Boy, hell, with cheese. Yeah. I can totally. See? I, I would. I would watch the hell out of that movie. Yes, I gladly saw sacrifice at my my. Progeny to you of a mighty Marvel beast. <laughs> but Neil Adams is somewhere going, hmm, it's, uh, it's my time. Uh, how do you measure success? Hey everyone, you're listening to Superhero Speak, and I'm your host Dave. And I'm silently protesting. I'm verbally Jump. protesting. This is bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. What are we talking about? I don't even know. I just wanted to jump I, on. I, I don't know what he's no, talking about. I had to do homework for this show, and it was, on the one hand, do the homework and, like, make Dave happy, or finish the final episode of Stargirl. I'm very, very upset that I had not seen that at last episode yet. Oh, my goodness. And this is just me. This is JD. And this is going to be what we're going to be doing going forward a little bit. So get used to doing homework, John. I had to defer happiness for you, damn it. You like comic books, so I don't know why you're complaining. All right. So how was, so, <laughs> so we'll start with you, John. How was your week besides having to read a classic comic? Mm-hmm. Um, it was good. Yeah. It was good. I spent, I, I spent, uh, Sunday in, uh, Jersey with the girlfriend and, uh, you know, everything else is fine. You know, nothing, nothing to complain about. Still, still ensconced in my, in my house, in my, in my, uh, hermit sanctuary here. And, uh, nobody I know has the virus. Uh, that's always good news. So, so wait, wait, you're, you're using the, the term again. Mm hmm. <laughs> something, something you care to share with the rest of the class? Mm hmm. I know, I know. You see, you can't say that you have a girlfriend again and not share. I mean, come on. I, I can very well do that. In fact, I just did that. Now, is this the same girl from before or is this a new girl? No, new girl. Oh, okay. Oh, then she's not going to listen to this. So you're fine. Uh, I hope not. She's a psychologist. Oh, I have to find <laughs> out who she is to make her listen. No, no. So she no, can you tell do, me you what's don't, wrong with you. Don't you. Want, you don't want that wrong with me? <laughs> You don't want that trouble. <laughs> you don't want the curtain pulled on this one. <laughs> uh, uh, how about so, you? Dave, how are you? 
Uh, I'm good, but, but, you know, we skipped over JD. You know, he, who, who, uh. No, I figured we'd end on a high note, so. <laughs> I'm just waiting my turn, man. <laughs> uh, he, he adds the, the therapy tour group dynamic. Uh, well, so, okay, so, so, well, since we're going out of turn, um, no, I mean, uneventful week, except, uh, I was a guest on the So Wizard podcast this week. Uh, we just recorded it yesterday, which would be Sunday when you're hearing this. Um, and, uh, yes, it was, it was interesting, like, really short episode, the only couple of news articles to talk about, and then, uh, they did their favorite three, we all picked our favorite three comedies, because they're doing a getting to know you month, so, it was, uh, cool. it was interesting, because yeah. Joey hates comedies, but what was fascinating <laughs> is Joey pointed out that he's been on our show, uh, so is Mark Ellis, and we've done crossovers together, but that's the first time anyone from our show was on So Wizard, so. Yeah, put me on them next. I'll do it. Uh-oh. By the way, did you, did you guys, did you guys, when you were over there, did you guys talk about the, uh, Mulan thing with Disney Plus and the $30 price tag? No, they talked about that last week, I think. Oh, uh, okay. So. So JD, I'm, I'm, how are geez. you doing? Oh, I'm okay. Uh, See, so yeah, I know. We had a pretty nasty thunderstorm come through here earlier. Oh. 100 mile, 100 mile an hour winds, but everything, uh, everything wound up okay for us. I mean, no problems. Everything's cool. You got, wait, you got that too? Cause we had that, rem, that, uh, was a tropical storm that came through here. I was out of power for three days. And, well, that was, and Dave, that, and I'm just saying, Dave, that doesn't count as abnormal and out of the ordinary because I live in Amish country and that happens a lot. That's why I have a generator. But, um, yeah. So what you what did you get? Oh, we just had a we had a massive line of thunderstorms stretching from northern Wisconsin all the way to Tulsa, Oklahoma, that uh, wow. that blew through here earlier today. It said 100 mile an hour wind gusts, but we we got out of it okay. Lost power a couple times. We figured hmm, maybe now that we're living in the country, we should spend some money on a generator mm-hmm. and some LED lights. So that'll be the next purchase when we go into town. Um, <laughs> Yeah, next week, launching Kickstarter for the new edition of Harvest Moon. I should show you guys the new cover. It's going to be available as one of the reward tiers. I'll, I'll go into talk more next week. Hey, so, Wizard, you're looking for a guest. I know a guy pushing the, who's going to be pushing a Kickstarter real hard coming up. <laughs> yeah, who's that? Um, <laughs> dude. So, so uh, uh, we're threatening you guys. Sorry. Uh so you're fixing to go into town? Like yeah, the- I mean, like, it's a, it's a good, well, it's not that bad. It's like a half hour, oh, wherever I decide to go. Like, either a half hour one way to go, not to Chicago, but to, like, the suburbs. Or if I want to go into Rockford, it's like 25 minutes. You know? And, uh, and, and John. John, mm-hmm. John, John, John. So you uh, lost power, so you could be, you could have easily read, uh, your, your, the comic while you had no power, right? Because you couldn't watch Stargirl without power. I was, well, first off, I was busy trying to get some work done offline, and then I have to set up the generator, run a couple of power cables. Um, you know, I had to, I hadn't counted on having a problem, so I had to go out and get gas, deal with the, and then, you know, talk with the neighbors, also with the, the, uh, all the rain. I had to go across to the storm drain and get soaking wet while trying to keep the storm drain uncovered so it didn't, all flow over into my property and flood my basement. Yeah, I have plenty of time, Dave. 
<laughs> excuses, excuses. All I hear is excuses. JD, if, if you're looking at a, at a generator, um, you really should look into having a, 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 an electrician come out and put in a switch over in your house so you can plug the generator into a single socket and then switch over like your refrigerator and a couple other things to the generator. That's a good idea. I will it, look into it, that. It, uh, it, it makes a huge difference. Then you have to make sure you have a generator that can power it all. So like, you know, but, uh, they're not that, they're not that bad. I'll look into that. So yeah, things are going, things are going all right. Mm, that's good. Um, so let's derail things that are going all right and, uh, Check in with our audience and uh, do a little social media manage. Yeah, we don't have to do that, really. <laughs> really. Uh, so we had we had talked about uh, Kevin Smith is going to be doing a Green Hornet comic. Uh, comic, sorry. Wow, cartoon. And um, and I tweeted out about it, and and I used a GIF from the old Green Hornet TV show, and you have uh, Bruce Lewis Cato kicking a guy in the head in the clip and um timothy jones said the question is what was the guy in the gif reaching for the green hornet didn't even flinch uh, a cartoon would be cool if done in a serious tone i think kato stands for kicking at temple oh, obli what's that obligatory 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 okay obligatorily <laughs> is actually what it says so ah. um so yeah, uh, no, I don't think that's what it stands for. Tim. Ob- obli- wow, obliteratingly, obliteratingly. There you obliteratingly. go. Obliteratingly. Sorry, I, w- I wasn't reading it. I was just going by what Dave was saying, and obviously that was wrong. Um, <laughs> I tell you what, that dude that got kicked in the head's got sour grapes. <laughs> oh, oh, gimmick, boot, gimmick, gimmick. Boot to the head. Uh, H. William Ruback uh, said, "As long as." They use real animation, not that stick figure squares instead of circles, preschool stuff that has been going around for far too long. And for God's sake, use some freaking shading and halftones. Can I ask a question? What in the name of God is he talking about? All right. So if you look at stuff like um, the new Thundercats cartoon or... You mean Thundercats 4? Even the, it's not for you. It's not for you, John. Even uh, the newest uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cartoon, like the animation, seems very basic today. I I agree with that. Like I don't like this new, simpler animation. I think it's uh, what was it? Uh, uh, what's the kid with the star on his shirt? Uh, Gems. What's the name of that show? Um, what you mean, Gem? Like actual? Gem? No, no, Steven Universe. Oh, Steven Universe. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think yeah, that yeah. was like the first real popular cartoon that kind of had this more simplistic style to it. A simplistic style, but its storyline was a way more complicated than it let on in the first couple of episodes. But that's not what we're, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the <laughs> animation style. I know. And then and then it, it led on to, again, I think TMN, the new Teenage Ninja Turtles cartoon, uh, the new Thundercats, and, you know... Just cutting budgets left and right. <laughs> yes. Maybe that's what it is. It's too much money. Uh, <laughs> you know, the, the Korean uh, sweatshops are charging more for animation. Um, 
doesn't bother me. Doesn't bother the the newer style of animation. Doesn't doesn't get on me. It'll it's cycle different. through. Yeah, it it'll does. cycle through because because the 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 when they when a lot of them have like the um just the shaded backgrounds with like basic outlines and even mm-hmm. you know shading that's outside the lines and all that just just enough to give you a hint of what's behind them and whatever like we saw that in the 60s and and now it's making a comeback and it'll cycle through again where people just want you know everybody's got ultra hd tvs and that style of animation won't cut it anymore and they'll go I back mean, to teen titans is another simple one anyway yeah <laughs> but it's awesome um my kid is going through we have boomerang right at the house so my kid is going through a scooby-doo phase oh, yeah. and let me tell you Hanna-Barbera cartoons in the 60s, or, yeah, the late 60s through the 70s, you want to talk about some cutting back stuff. Oh, yeah. Like, and then we also watched some He-Man. Like, you want to talk about filmation in the early oh, 80s as far gosh. as saving money. Oh, like, those guys pioneered real. those effects. <laughs> like, let's just be real about, like, what's simplistic animation. Like, we all grew up with stuff that was cheaply made and nobody knew it, and they just cranked it out. Like Scooby Doo, they just they made the same show nine times. But he like I'm not even talking about his show. I'm talking about other Hanna Barbera shows that just ripped off the concept. Like they just kept making it work. Remember the original Spider Man with the scrolling background? Yeah, but that but Bakshi also did some crazy stuff on that. Like that's like there's simple and there's like what well, Bakshi was doing some like psychedelic stuff too at mm. the same time back in the Spider the original Spider Man's a different kind of example. Because Bakshi can get pretty crazy when he wants to, as we saw with the Lord of the Rings stuff. Hmm. You know? True. Oh, yeah. And then uh, the Ha podcast replied to this tweet but about something else we talked about in the show. Uh, he said, the Pinocchio, it does look creepy, but I'm in. Interesting fact, Roberto Benini, who plays Geppetto, wrote, directed, and starred in a 2002 live-action Pinocchio adaption. That was terrible, terrible film. I did not see it, so I'll take There's your report. There is a reason you didn't see it because it was a gigantic. Because that's after Roberto Benigni really got big. Life is beautiful, I believe, it was his breakthrough performance, and he got to do the thing he wanted to do next, and that one, that he followed up to that was Pinocchio, and it died a slow death huh. to the point where it's been forgotten. Uh, yes. So, and then uh, uh, moving on, we talked about. The rumor of a live-action Batman Beyond movie, and that the one of the current rumors is there's two Jokers going to be in it. Um, <laughs> mind the Mind Gap podcast said, "Great title, by the way. Great title of the podcast." <laughs> DC exec guys, we have to figure out a formula to make people like our movies. Intern who brought the coffee, I like the movie that had the Joker in them. DC exec double. No, triple the Jokers. <laughs> Are you sure it's not that they just saw that many Jokers because of the amount of cocaine? <laughs> and Patrick, who's at Patrick six seven seven zero two four one eight. I hope that's not your phone number that I just gave out to everyone. Um, Patrick bot. That's like a bot name. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, would Bruce Wayne still be Terry's biological father? That's why I included this one because I'm kind of curious. Uh, what you guys think of that? Um, I remember like that was the one of the reveals towards the end of the show was that was I can't remember was he a clone or actually his biological no, son? 
No, Amanda Waller used like Batman DNA or Bruce Wayne DNA to help him. So like, I don't know, they like slipped it into his mom or something. It was really for Justice League Unlimited it was a really great show, but that reveal was really stupid. So you think it's a dumb idea and they shouldn't continue it? That's the idea. That's what I meant by really stupid. Yes. Okay. Okay. What do you think, John? About <laughs> the really the really stupid idea of making Bruce Wayne Terry McGinnis's father. Yeah, that felt sort of shoehorned. Yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean, it was it it was kind of shoehorned. It was um what uh, Amanda Waller deciding that there always had to be a Batman, and so they injected. It. it was really really retconning. Um, I think that's yeah. It's probably one of the only things I didn't like about uh about the um uh was it uh, Justice League Unlimited. So everything else was it was good. I mean. It, it did. They they. It's it's like they shoehorned that in in order to make it a perfect bookend for the beginning of the Batman animated series. Right. You know, it was like a beginning and ending of all of the uh, Bruce Tim stuff. Because it was it was the end of the Bruce Tim like television programs. Yep. But it was needless. Yeah. Yeah. No, but I, it was I, like, I, it was like the very last episode. So yeah. I mean, you know, you could almost. Finish without that episode and still have a good ending. Yes. Choose to, I choose to ignore it myself. Mm. I concur. That's all I have to say. Um, <laughs> and then lastly, we talked, of course, um, about JD's White Whale, the new Mutants movie. And <laughs> time will prove me right. Yes, a lot, a lot of time. Lots many, of time. many years. <laughs> um, they will, they're, they're going to unearth the uh, original copy of that in, you know, the year 4000. <laughs> and that's well, what it will finally play. <laughs> Uncle Redbeard agrees with JD. Um, he says, actually really pumped for this film. If it ever actually gets released. Big mm-hmm. Magic fan. Really like the casting of Anya Taylor-Joy. So. Anna Taylor-Joy. She is great. She looks like magic, and she's really good. The Witch, for anybody looking for something that she's done in the past. She's really she, good. Really really spooky movie. Uh-oh, she just did, yeah, she just, she just did another movie that I saw. What was it? Um, shoot, it was uh, uh, Emma. She did Emma. She was in Emma, and it was really, really good. She's also going to be the, uh, the Elena... Or what please name? I forget the name. The other Black Widow in the whenever this Black Widow movie comes out. <laughs> Never. Oh. Uh, Great. So so that's it. That's all the social media madness for this week, guys. Thank the goddess. But if you, the listener, would like to know how to get involved in social media madness and where to find more superhero speak, here's our good friend D Square to tell you more. Enjoying the show? Want to be part of Social Media Madness? Make sure you are following SuperheroSpeak.com where you can find all of the show's social media links at the top of the page. While you're there, you can check out old episodes of the podcast as well as some other great content. Check the site often because we are posting some great comic reviews as well as comic book and movie news content every day. Make sure and follow us on Twitter at SuperheroSpeak. And while you're there, check out the rest of the Geek World All-Stars Podcast Network. You can follow them at stars underscore geek. The Geek World All-Star Podcast Network includes great programs 
such as the Pop Prison Power Podcast, Cult 45, So Wizard, Fans on Patrol, the Gorilla Brain Podcast, and of course, Superhero Speak. Search for hashtag GWAllStars. You will not be disappointed. Now, it's back to Dave and the boys on Superhero Speak. Thank you for that, Don. And don't forget to check out the D-Square podcast and a couple of great new comic book reviews that are up on our website from him. And on that note, we're going to take a quick commercial break. And we'll be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. All right. All right. Um, we got some news. I think we can start with JD's news that he brought for this week because I think it's, I think it's the big news, to be honest with you. It probably is the big news and, and why bury the lead. And I think, uh, um, I actually hadn't heard everything until you pointed it out and I went and looked it up. So apparently there's a big shakeup going on over at Warner Brothers. The top execs have all left the company or been let go. Um, apparently they're blaming the failure of HBO Max on this. Oh my. Well, and, um, (laughs) it did fail hard. And they're, they're, it's not Quibi, but it's not doing well. Well, Quibi was meant to die. Like, there, there are some rumors on the internet about the uh, the um, contracts that people have to sign, the creators for that, that kind of make it so, sort of look like they were just gathering up a bunch of content that they could then resell later, and and that Quibi was just a a way to get all of those signatures and all, and all the content, but like it it was every step of the way, even even people don't know anything about the business. There was no way it was ever going. To, it was like it looked like it was literally built to never make it. So you're trying to tell me this is like a zero mustel plot? Like this is springtime for Hitler on the Eps? I'm just, I'm just <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean that now, like I said, they're rumors. These are these aren't our rumors. These are actual rumors. <laughs> but um, but the thing is, it's like um, even it, with Quibi, like one of the one of the quote unquote gimmicks was that. You could watch in landscape mode, but you could turn the phone and watch it in um, portrait mode. But in portrait mode, you know, you miss everything that's going on that's in landscape mode. So what's the point? It's really stupid shit like that. that it is really stupid. And the fact that they aren't allowed, you aren't allowed to like share anything off from Quibi means none of the pro, none of the stuff gets like really any publicity. Like, I don't know. Jeffrey Katzenberg's not that stupid. So I don't right. know. Exactly. Color me suspect. Ten, on that one, ten, but. Yeah, that's ten. the that's the thing. Nobody can nobody can, and all of the other uh, people that were signed on with him, um, it just it's really really you know hinky. Okay, so ten points to Hufflepuff for the uh, producers reference, but thank you. Yes. Uh, I'm in Hufflepuff. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay. 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 Well, off of um, Quibi, back onto uh, focus. Vampires. <laughs> ADHD theater. Focus. Back onto Warner Brothers, <laughs> um, and of course they're consolidating their television uh, division right now. Um, so their non-scripted and scripted are to be combined under one uh, operations at this point. So, hmm. which leads me to wonder, like, okay, there's a lot going on with. 
Warner Brothers Television. Um, what does this mean? You know, and does this affect like the CW shows? And you had said, JD, that this might affect the DCEU or whatever they're calling it now. The, the DC Universe app. I'm pretty sure. Like we've been talking about. Speaking of things that were poorly rolled out. Yeah. Um, it just never, it just never quite had the traction. Right, it couldn't decide if it wanted to be a comics app or a film or a movie or a TV app, and and they didn't put everything that they had rights to on it. Like no, well, I don't know if they actually had rights to everything. Like because they signed the problem with a lot of these places is they sign contracts right before they have the ideas to do these things. So consequently, stuff is in different places. Uh, HBO Max, for example, having the Harry Potter movies and then losing them as soon as Peacock started mm. because Peacock had the streaming rights. Well, and. It's not just that stuff. Like, they don't have all their DC Comics on there. No. Well, yeah. they always say that DC Comics is a much bigger library than Marvel ever had, so doing, the, like, a Marvel Unlimited for DC is much more difficult. That being said, it never quite... That's the problem with HBO Max, too, is they bring out these apps with no real plan on what to do. I actually think DC had a better launch strategy than HBO did, but none of the properties were really, like people jumped on you know we've been talking about the the streaming war for about two years now on the show and, and i've been saying this the world can't support all these apps and we finally we have finally gone past so peak market and we've gone past peak market saturation now we're starting to see contraction of these apps like everything has been a failure like everyone's trying to chase the the, the 900 pound gorilla of Netflix and nobody can hold a candle to it. They've well, except for Disney well, Plus. I was going to. I say, mean, even them, they don't have they don't have the numbers that Netflix does. They're doing the best of the new guys. They yeah. had a plan when they came out. They're far and away like you. The original three, you got your your Hulu, your your um, uh, Amazon Prime, and you've got Netflix. They are so far ahead of everyone else because they've been at it for longer. Disney's the best since like they're the best of the new guys. But then you've got um, CBS. Peacock, yeah, you know everything else is falling and, behind. And stuff, and stuff that you like on CBS could be on Hulu, and stuff that you like on Hulu could be on something else, and it's and just that's, that's it's the all problem. over the place. When everything was consolidated to Hulu, it actually worked better. But then everyone got greedy, and no one can afford owning twenty different streaming apps. Yeah, like not every just because you have content doesn't need you. You need to have your own platform. Like, this yeah. is like back in the day when everybody thought they needed to have a network. And they were like, oh, I guess we really don't need to have a network. We can just sell it and make more money. <laughs> so, I mean, we're going to start seeing stuff contract that's starting now. HBO Max, tremendous failure. And this is and this is the acid test. Like, okay, like, you know, not during a pandemic, if you can go see movies and stuff and all and, and, and all that, um, and, and people are busy, yeah, you, you're going to see bad numbers if it's bad. But... People are literally trapped in their houses, and if you can't get good numbers in this scenario, then you're you're not your your streaming service isn't going to make it. That's the, the WWE Network too. They launched in 2014, and they thought they had all this this great content, and they've been seeing nothing but contraction. Like it's yeah. been they've all like every single one of these. Like we joked about Quibi, Apple TV is another one. Like it just people were just kind of like, eh, I mm. like Netflix. Well, even the even the secondary players um, like Rooster Teeth, Funimation, Crunchyroll, um, you know, like the, the, the second tier and the outliers like Crunchyroll's doing really well. They were they were like the Netflix of anime um, and Funimation owns so much IP from the last 50 years or whatever 
that uh, they're they're kind of doing okay. And Rooster Teeth makes its own content, which is fine. But you know, uh, there's anime on even Netflix has anime, and um, Amazon Prime has tried doing anime, and they're not doing so well with it. And Netflix is doing better than most. That's all I can say. Netflix is still the big, they're the 900 pound gorilla. You know, yeah. They, well, then you can't stop. I them. think. Um, I think number one, the, the real issue because. Uh, this whole, oh, well, people are stuck at home, so they should be able to do well. It's people miss the point of why Netflix was doing well. It, you know, the whole cutting the cord was to save money. Well, they're not, we're not going to go out and jump on a bunch of nickel and dime subscriptions now. You know, that's, that defeats the point of getting rid of cable. Yep. So it's yeah. like, well, I'm going to go with what offers the best variety for what I want to watch. And, since Netflix wasn't tied to particular IP, they had everything as well. Comfort yeah. food. Yeah. And, and if I may interject another point, um, we are not going to pay a large monthly fee and then pay an extra 30 bucks on top of that for, to, to be able to rent a movie. Okay. We'll, we'll get, like, what, hold what, on. why are we paying? Sh- 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 we'll get to that in a second. Okay. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. But yeah, basically what this comes down to is, is Warner has to, has to restaff everything. There's been, they lost mm-hmm. money. Like, and Warner is traditionally, no matter who buys Warner, cause remember when we were, back in the day, they were Time Warner, now they're Warner Media after the AT&T merger. Yeah. It's still Warner. They still have the same problems. And DC is gonna have to fire, and the, the rumor going on Twitter today is DC is gonna be firing a bunch of staffers. And I, I don't know what, I'm pretty sure that, that their streaming platform is going to close up. I don't know what it means for the comic division. Um, I imagine they're just going to cut a bunch of people. Yeah. Unfortunately. That would, that would suck because, yeah, Oh, it's going to suck big time. Yeah. I mean, at least Stargirl is going to be saved, but there was so much, uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, that, that platform died hard as soon as they like two days before they released Swamp Thing. They dis- they they announced that they're canceling it. Like they they literally shot themselves in the face with that. Well, just they weren't ready for it. Like the the app is just it's just not what you want to spend the money on. Like so, there's better deals available. You know, it's funny because mm. it's like I don't know if I don't know if your analogy of Netflix being the 900 pound gorilla is is correct. Netflix to me feels like they're the the prestige brand. They've been around the longest. So people are like, oh, Netflix. Okay, I'm already a, a, a subscriber, or I know that they've had quality content, so I'll, I'll sign up for them, kind of a thing. Um, to me, the 900-pound gorilla is Disney, because they're the company with the proven track record and the money to just go, you know what? We're going to buy Fox and launch a streaming platform. Like, it just, and, and you know, I think people think, like, Disney just decided to do it one day, but I think they plan that much longer than people realize. I agree with you. I then I don't think HBO and Peacock and oh, all no. these other places have planned nearly as well. Right. Now I can't, I can't talk about Peacock because of certain reasons. Right. Um. But <laughs> as far as as far as the rest go, um. Yeah. I mean, full disclosure, I work for Comcast. So, so you think Peacock is wonderful? Yeah. No, no, I, I actually don't have it and haven't, I haven't looked at it yet. Um, but, but, you know, um, yeah, you're right. Like all the rest of them, they just, and they were just, they were just all followers, right? Right. Like Hulu, Hulu kind of planned it out and they had, they had a bunch of good, 
agreements, and well, but then, it, but then the dam burst. Yeah. yeah. And, and then the dam burst, and everybody else is like, oh, we have to do this now. I mean, it was like but, Marvel had, uh, you know, they bought – Disney bought Marvel, but, you know, Marvel did Iron Man, and then kind of like, well, let's throw this Avengers teaser at the end of the movie – and mm-hmm. but they were able to slowly build a universe, and then all of a sudden it was like everyone had to have a universe, a cinematic universe. And who mm-hmm. else has done it? So are you are you saying that like Netflix was the Netflix and and maybe even you know Disney was the Marvel of the streaming services because they slowly built up everything that they needed to get to to get a really good service, whereas the rest of them are the DCs where they just like <laughs> rushed out. Yeah, I'm just saying it's like it feels like it's we we live in a world of, you know, the instant gratification. People want things right away and business kind of especially the TV execs. <laughs> and and I was about to say and and the TV execs and the movie execs thinks they need to do it now and they don't plan mm-hmm. the things out. And you know, if you don't have the money, you don't have the IP, you really need a plan, you know, and I, I just I see a lot of these streaming services coming and just disappearing very quickly. Well, we're gonna. I mean, this and you you got to see if you walk take one step past the okay everything's collapsing now. The next thing that we're looking at is okay how much consolidation can we stand before it becomes monopolistic? Okay, while we're on this subject, I've just gotten some news. Bleeding cool is the source. Uh, as far as DC goes, there's been. Quite the bloodletting. Um, Editor-in-chief editor Bob Harris is gone. Uh, Mark Doyle, nice guy. Editor of the Black Label line is gone. Wow. Bobby Chase, former editor, is gone. Andy Corey, another super nice guy, gone. DC Story Editor Brian Cunningham, gone. Uh, Hank Canal is gone. Like, uh, the DC Collectible line, will Statues and Toys, will be licensed to Marvel instead of doing it on their own. Oh, my God. Uh, this is, and there's some other names that I... I don't recognize quite as well. Uh, Jonah Whelan, who I believe was the guy who started CBR back in the day, who was working for them, is now also gone. Wow. Uh, oh, boy. Jim Sikolsky, Sarah Haskell, Sandy Resnick, Eddie Choi. Wow, this is a it's a bad day over at DC, man. Bad day. Wow. That's, wow. They're expecting a rapid reduction of titles over there. Huh. Interesting. That's very interesting. <sighs> well, maybe the, maybe the mouse will uh, will buy them up, and we will get our Hulk versus Superman movie. <laughs> no, I don't want to no. see that. You need competition. <laughs> like competition is what's good. You don't. Like I said, as being a pro wrestling fan for years, when the major competitor went out of business, it ushered in a very bad era. You know, yeah, you I mean, don't need I- that. That goes for that goes for literally anything. Like when Microsoft finally beat out Netscape Navigator, um, we had six years of literally no development on browsers. We we lost six years. It goes for any anything. So yeah, I mean, this is gonna. I just. I mean, I don't. What the only thing I don't want to see is like DC getting sold to like a bunch of quote unquote investment goons that didn't. Cut it up. I don't know what they're going to do. Like, what's what's possible is they're going to keep the IP because the IP has incredible value. You don't get rid of Batman, especially oh. when you're a company looking to make more money. What you could do is you could wind up seeing DC Comics shut down in those 
and those IPs farmed out to other places. Could see that. I'm not saying you're going to, but it's all it's been rumored. That's been rumored for 40 years that DC was going to do that, and they never have. But um, these are different times. So yeah, even Bloomberg is saying they let go of at least 800 people at Warner Brothers and HBO Variety. It's the problem with these big multinational conglomerates is they absorb so many other businesses that major mistakes have have dire consequences. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, um, I've heard I've heard tell of that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean it's like DC's been DC has been part of this since they were owned by the parking lot company, you know, who got bought by Warner, who got bought by you know Turner, who got bought by you know what I'm saying like AOL, all the way you know, this thing like this this Cthulhu like monster that is Warner Media. It has a track record of some just horrible decisions over the last oh, yeah. some years. So it's just, it's unfortunate. And I feel bad for people that work at DC. Cause when I was, when I was going through there, when, when I had my incidents with, uh, Vertigo of almost getting published there, the, the staffers and the editors were nothing but cool. The publisher wasn't so much, but he's already out of work, but <laughs> you know, it is what it is. Jim Lee still has a job for now. Yeah, if you CBR just just like literally an hour ago actually had some stuff on it too. Did he? Did he? So, did he sell his imprint to huh. Warner Brothers? Oh, yeah, Wildstorm, yeah. yeah. That's how we got. That's how we got in the door there, and now he's the publisher. Uh, what a shame. Um, yeah, it's it sucks. It's a bad day if you're if you're a comic fan. Jim Lee is no longer a publisher. Oh, he's it's, still no longer a publisher. Yeah, Jim Jim Lee's still with the company, but no longer publisher. Um, DC Collectibles is gone entirely. Whoa. Leading Cool also confirmed Elbine's list of names while adding that Marie Javis, executive editor of Global Publishing Initiatives and Digital Strategy, is being elevated. So she might become the new editor-in-chief for possibly the publisher. I know yeah. she's, a, she's a big backer of Scott Snyder. Scott Snyder is uh, kind of one-on-one on, one on one with her. So. See, I'm... Take for that which. Jeez, for that which now I, I have to talk to a friend of mine, um, who who fortunately hasn't done a lot with DC in the last year and a half, but um, he does have a one of his things uh, became a DC collectible statue. So I'm wondering if. Oh, okay. I'm wondering if uh, how how that affects him. Probably doesn't. I think it's probably. Which probably means he's just not going to make money off the statue. Yeah, anymore. no, I think I think it's I, they just um he doesn't get a percentage of the sales anyway. They just pay him for the work, you know. Oh, then yeah. then it's over. Yeah, then he's yeah. I don't I don't know if this means anything to you, but um let's see. It says the moves come as Warner Media CEO uh, Jason Kilar looks to streamline the Warner Media business with greater emphasis on HBO Max, the company's new streaming service. Well, they're in. They got to figure out a way to make it work at this point. Yeah. So, so they fire the people making the content. <laughs> that's the thing. I mean, that's that's, that's the thing with these hydras. You know, you cut off all the heads I mean, and it I've, don't matter. I've, I've been through this before. It's like we want this thing to succeed, and we need to throw more money at it. So to throw more money at it in, right now, we're going to cut all of this other stuff that isn't as profitable as we would like it to be. So we can free up capital to throw into HBO Max. But then what? Right, because they what, have to. They or have to. HBO Max fails terribly and then Warner Brothers just goes away, you know, or break gets broken up, right. you know, completely. They, 
that, which I don't know. There's people over there that would argue Warner Media should be broken up. Um, <laughs> True. There's so much, and that's the, and that's again the problem with these giant companies. Like DC Comics has its own issues. They shouldn't be subjugated to Kevin Riley's mistakes with launching HBO Max. But here we are. That's yep. You know, and it's a terrible, it's a terrible time for this to happen. We're still in a global pandemic. Unemployment is still high, but people make bad decisions. It was a bad decision. And they're stuck. Warner's stuck in Hatton trying to make it work. Uh, I'm just glad I'm a Marvel fan. So anyway. Uh, <laughs> uh, thanks, man. Sorry. Appreciate that. That's, you know, I, I, I got to change my, my tagline. I'm no longer the, the DC apologist. I'm the DC death watcher oh, or whatever. Oh, I don't know. Under, DC undertaker. Oh, it's possible, man. It's yeah, really possible. Not, this oh. is not good. Um, Let's move on to uh, something else real quick. Uh, speaking of a terrible time for fans, um, brought, picked mm. up by Newsweek this week, and um, it's kind of interesting. I know it, it seems like a, it feels like a filler story because it's like it says uh, New York Comic Con has no plans to cancel, and fans aren't happy about it. And it, it talks about how you know they haven't officially announced a cancellation and. Uh, fans online are confused, like what's going on, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, there's no way I'm going. Yeah, there's no there way 280,000 people from all over the world in a teeny tiny little room. In, in no, okay, no, this isn't going to happen. Yeah, there's no way. I mean, even if, if they didn't cancel it, there's no uh, Andrew Como or or the mayor of New York. So, neither one of them would have let that so happen. So it's been pointed out, and this is probably what the true story is, is they have to wait to the last possible minute to cancel it so that they can make their get their insurance payment mm-hmm. it's all over right, but the like, official are they you have kidding to... me what kind of agreement what? is that what i don't understand because why, it has why, to... why would that be in the insurance because thing? it has to be we were told by the city we can't have this so the insurance company right. where if they turn around and it's like they canceled it on their own the insurance company go well you know what then you're not getting you're not getting paid and so they might be like, liable. Well, they might be liable by Javits right, too for having exactly, to pay rent to the facility. Probably are. You know, they need. Yeah, they need to have like you need to evaluate these things. These things need to be evaluated as the moment approaches. So they're they're playing chicken with the. No, 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 no. They're not playing chicken. They're well, just no, playing, no, no. Yeah, I would say they're they're playing chicken with like Andrew Cuomo. No, like, no. I guarantee because they. I guarantee, they, 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 they guarantee Andrew Cuomo's already saying they're not going to have it, but they ha- right, there has right. to be. It has to be an official thing, probably 30 days out or something from the, the actual date. Right, right. That was like when San Diego got canceled. They didn't can They knew in in March it wasn't going to happen, but they weren't able to cancel it till uh, June. Right. You know, that's just the way it goes. Exactly. And so, believe me, if Reed Pop thought they could sell it, we'd be all, we'd be getting spammed right but now. But again, like I, I keep pointing out to people, no guest announcements. The tickets yeah. have never yeah, gone exactly. on sale. They never did the fan yeah, verification they, 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 and no no yep. pro or uh, um, press badges or anything were ever I mean, approved or sent out. Yeah. So if yeah. if Reed Pop thought there was a slight chance there might be a show, they'd be they'd be trying to push for it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they, they they they've known for a while there's not going to be a show. They just can't officially say anything yet. So yeah, yeah I'm kind of I'm kind of confused that the people at Newsweek, you know, couldn't see that. <laughs> Got to write about something. So. Uh, that's like uh, shave the whales. You got to shave something. Uh, 
You can shave a whale. <laughs> yes, you can. <laughs> can milk a can milk a cat. <laughs> oh, oh my God! Yes, five points for a uh, Father of the Bride. No, not Father of the Bride. What's the name of that movie? Um, Meet the Parents. Meet the Parents. Um. All right. So here's a couple more quick hits for us. Uh, it was officially announced that the John Wick. We're not only getting John Wick four. We're getting John Wick five, and they're being shot back to back. Which only means that John Wick 4 will end with John Wick going back to the Old West. <laughs> uh, I see, Alternately, I would have said, okay, John Wick 5, he just murders everybody on the planet. Because, like, what's left? And that's right? probably going to happen. That being said, <laughs> I am so excited. These movies are great. Yeah. Yes, apparently the director said he had yeah. too many story ideas to fit into one movie. So, we got... I like the idea that this extended universe keeps getting well extended. So <laughs> you know, it's the it's the most successful original franchise of this decade of the of the previous decade. Yeah, like it's awesome. Keep doing it until people stop going. Give Keanu all the love so and the, all the work. The, the two things yeah. I pointed out though, uh, when we did talk about this one, so wizard is um, one. I don't blame them filming it back to back. Keanu's in his 50s now. Who knows how much longer he can keep this up. And True. two, I really hope this isn't a Matrix thing where they expand on the mythology too much that it ruins it. Yeah. <laughs> like, don't yeah, explain too much. Like, I like the idea that they, yeah. they show you little things here and there, and it's just like, it makes no sense, but it's still cool, you know? Well, we have we have the high table now, and if they, if they like, if, if they just leave that as a nebulous, like, organization you know top thing that would actually kind of work like you're saying you know don't 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 go don't keep um don't go into explaining literally everything like all the people on the high table and like give us their backstories and all that just leave them leave them as like these these people that are just tell us john wick was actually this is the fourth incarnation of john wick and he's a you know a bug in the (laughs) matrix (laughs) This this is his fourth yes. regeneration. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. Uh, How to ruin a cool concept? Um, no, nah, it's gonna be great. All three of those were great. This one's gonna be great. It's all gonna be great. They haven't let us wrong yet. It wasn't Matrix. Only got one good movie, right? Bring Two the, and three suck. We're going on to five. They're great. Yeah, all we're right, fine. All right. Bring the dogs back though. The dog. Oh, good puppies. Ripping people's throats out. Oh, he's such a good puppy. That means you have to bring Halle Berry back, right? They were her dogs. Yeah. I don't bring her back. Yeah, she she did she did pretty good in that. She was good. I'm not arguing. I'm just saying to bring the dogs back. They're her dogs, so. I know, but the dogs were more important. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so we're all on board. Yes, we're excited. More John Wick, the better. Um, Candyman director Nia. Do Costa? Um, by the way, Candyman was supposed to be out like this week in theaters, I believe. And um, she has been tapped to direct Captain Marvel 2 uh, from the company that I stopped falling apart. Um, <laughs> oh, <for> now. <laughs> uh, other, than can- other than the Candyman remake, I have no idea of anything she's done. She's kind of like a newer director. She's done some indie stuff um so so my question is are you guys what do you guys think of this and are you excited for captain marvel 2 and what do you kind of want to see in a captain marvel 2 
I want to see personality. Like the personality she had in Endgame, I'd like to see that personality come back, you know? Well, they filmed it. You know they filmed just... Endgame before her movie? Right, I know. I know. I, and it's just a matter yeah. of direction, right? So so I want to see her, like, you know, be who she is. She she should be almost kind of like, um, she should almost have the attitude of, like, All-Star Superman, right? Because she's, like, nearly godlike in that yeah. universe like even even thor and hulk would have trouble fighting her I, they may not even win so i mean she she was doing pretty good all alone against uh, thanos by himself so i don't know um yeah but they they can expand on on her um on her mythology and uh yeah just just have a good old fist fight with gods i don't know like Ego, the living planet. I don't know. What do you throw at her? <laughs> Seriously, what do you throw at her? Right? Like, it's gonna be it's gonna be a Superman problem. Like, um, you we know, did e- we did ego the yes, living planet. Yes, we did. Yeah, I, I I know. Like, regenerate him and have her have her take him out again. Well, there's plenty. There's plenty of like um, super like uh, um, with cosmic villains in the Marvel universe. There's lots of. There's lots of places they could travel. They could do something with the negative zone. They could do a lot. There's a lot of there's a lot of Captain Marvel ish yeah. stuff they can do. I haven't read most. I haven't read a lot of the Carol Danvers Captain Marvel books. I know people love them, so imagine if you can adapt some of those things. It'll be fine. Her her uh her trailer for the new Candyman movie looks really good. It looks like they're doing some different stuff with it. So I'm excited to see that because I love that franchise. Or actually, I love the original. Yeah. I should say. I I will say like if they get um if they get her mixed up with um multiverse of madness like uh captain marvel's already lost two bouts in death battle um once against android 18 from the dragon ball z stuff and once from shazam so um you know you you could bring in some some other people through multiverse of madness to take her on you could and then we could just pretend that didn't get said yes let's let's pretend that didn't get said especially the android 18 thing um Hey. Well, my my take <laughs> on this, uh, again, this was already said on another podcast, uh, but it's nice to see that Marvel is sticking with the formula of young, inexperienced directors that they can uh, control, so that and, we can actually well, get groom, sorry, right? groom, so we can actually get <laughs> Feige's vision as opposed to the director's vision. I wouldn't say inexperienced. I would say uh, directors without a lot okay. of power, without mm-hmm. a lot of without a lot of brand you know, control of their own. That's what fighting. I mean, it's like directing, let's be real. Directing a Marvel movie is like directing an episode of a TV show. True. Very true. You know, Feige's a showrunner. Yeah. That's it. Mm-hmm. Um, and as long as he keeps doing it, I think we'll all be happy. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Uh, and then finally, well, no, we got a couple more, but another quick hit. Uh, John, I think you already have tried to say something about this. Uh, you seem to have a lot to say about it. Um, it has been announced that Mulan will be released uh, in this country on Disney Plus uh, for thirty dollars is the is the price if you would like to see the live action Mulan on Disney Plus. Uh, see, now that would work if you are like, you know, a family of five, right? But somebody like me, who's paying the monthly. Um, the, the the monthly charge for Disney Plus. I'm not, I I don't want to spend thirty bucks just to rent okay. a movie. I'll wait until well, it comes off, down. First off, let me correct you. You're not renting it. 
Yes, what, 30 bucks, it? and you can watch it whenever that's you a, want after that. That's stupid. How many people – I mean, I don't have kids. I'm not going to watch it over I, and over again. I have kids. I have, kids. I have grandkids. Like, yeah. It makes sense to me. See, now, I okay, this might be my age, and Dave, you can check me on this, but I still feel – I still feel wrong about buying something that I cannot take with me. Like if, if, if something were to happen to Disney plus, you would lose oh. everything you quote unquote. I, I don't with disagree them, with right? that because I've had this conversation with lots of people. Um, especially for the fact that like, yeah, I know people that still buy stuff on Blu-ray and DVD because like, what if this, what if the I streaming service goes away? You just lose those movies. And I get that. And it, and that's happened. That's happened because all, remember all those Blu-rays that you bought for like the last ten years, they they came with the little um, ultraviolet uh-huh. um, tag, and and you you sign up for that service, and that service that yep. service died, and they you had they to move all of your quote unquote owned content into another service, and it was a huge hassle. I didn't, I you know I only had like three or four because I never bothered with it anyway. But I tried to go through the process of moving my quote license material from one service to another, yeah, and half of it didn't work. You just lost it. So yeah, right. So and how many how many people are technically like we're technically astute? How many you know stay at home moms or or you know normal people are going to be able to like get that done properly, or have the time to do it? It's just it's it doesn't make any sense. So so but uh, but John's uh, lonely old man bitterness aside. <laughs> yes, yes, uh, uh, I agree. I, I, I agree with that. Like, because we were talking about this. I've been talking about this with some other people, and like, and people complain, but it's like, if I was going to take, you know, my kids and my grandkids to the movies, I would spend way more than thirty dollars. Right, right. Like, but th- all this is going to encourage is during a pandemic, getting a big group together in your house to to show the quote unquote show the movie, or for people like me to pirate it. <laughs> Um, you know? yeah, I, unfortunately it probably will be showing up on locked fire sticks, uh, within 24 hours of it debuting. Um, and the thing is too, like in other countries, uh, movie theaters are open again. So that's the other thing they were talking about. Like it's just the United, it's, it's just, just the US. US or North America. Oh, yeah. Cause I think Canada is included in this too, but like, yeah. Only because they're near us. Yeah. But yeah, so it's like they're gonna, you know, I mean, you can't blame them. They've they've got to make money on this movie. They they have the control to to just put it on there. And I don't know. What do you think, uh, JD? Are you gonna buy it? No. Um. Mainly because like we've bought movies on Amazon Prime before, because Amazon Prime has very few things that live on Prime, right? There's some things you want to own. And it's easier for us to, like, teen times go with them, go to the movies. Like, we own that on Amazon Prime because we watch it frequently. Mandy loves it. So we'll, we have that. It's that peace of mind. We bought Onward four weeks before it premiered on Disney+. Plus. So mm. we were like, hmm, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. And that was 20 bucks. Uh, eventually, Mulan will live on Disney+. Yes, Plus. that's... Right. I just have that's to be patient. That, that, that uh, is getting me, like... You're spending the 30 bucks for the ability to watch it now when you do know Disney will eventually just be like six months from now. Ah, it's just on there for everyone. Yeah. I mean, now, like, I get it. They, they got to recover something of a loss because it's a big loss of not to have the American box office. Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah. So they got to do something. And I'm okay with them doing something. 
I mean, to be quite honest, I probably wasn't going to see it at the theater anyway, so I don't need to give them $30 on top of the $9 or whatever it is that I already know. Okay. But, but I'll tell you something. I would have rented it for 15 bucks. I would have, I would have paid an extra 15 bucks just to rent it. Not on Disney. I might have done it on Amazon, but I'm definitely not doing it on Disney Plus. Why not? Because my expectations are different for the, that platform. On Amazon Prime, I'm used to rent, renting this. So, mm. Like, we'll rent a movie for a couple bucks. But on Disney, my expectation is I have this library of films that this movie will eventually live on. Ah, I see. Yeah, uh, yeah. I get it. So, so hmm. here's a question. Okay. What if it was Black Widow? No, definitely not. That it doesn't? Again, I, I would rent it for 15 bucks, but I'm not going to pay 30 bucks to, to quote unquote own ones and zeros that may go away. Yeah, I don't have a problem owning ones and zeros, but I mean, like, I want to, if I'm paying, I want to pay for the theater experience. Yes. Right? And that's I don't, the thing. Yeah. yeah. I don't, if it was Spider Man, I'd think about it. But Black Widow, I mean, like, I wasn't that crazy about the trailer to begin with. Okay. Like, even New Mutants, a movie I, I've been dying to see. I can't thirty bucks. That's a lot of money, man. Yeah. And yes, and it, you could you could say, "Well, you take a family of four to the theater." I'm not taking a family of four to the theater. Like my kid doesn't want to see the Mulan live action. You know? No. No, he's mm-hmm. four. He don't even. I don't even think he's even watched the original Mulan. He's in the express no interest in that. So it's like it's not. I'm not saying it for everybody, but I'm just saying for the Oliva family, mm-hmm. we're not going to be doing that. But and that and that's and that's the problem, right? It's the experience you're paying the extra money for, you know, going to going to the the theater, seeing it on a giant screen, having you know, going with people to enjoy it together, and that whole thing. And you know, they they, they have to take that into account for the price. Like they can't price it like for a theater release when you're just going to be watching at home and we're in the middle of a pandemic. If you're pricing it that high, again, like I said, you're a lot of people are going to say, well, let's get our money's worth out of it and like have friends over <laughs> to their house to have a big, you know, viewing on their 50, really 60, 70 inch TV. And, and right. And we shouldn't be doing that. So they're, they're Disney's kind of promoting, a they're promoting bad behavior and they're pricing themselves out of a lot of ec- like even if they drop the price ten ten dollars, say own it for twenty, that might make a huge difference. So that being said, I think it's a good experiment from Disney. Is this isn't a this this Mulan is not one of their like top mm-hmm. properties. Like it isn't Black Widow. It isn't something that's going to generate a ton of Oscar buzz, right? This is just one of those movies that they make. Like these uh these remakes, they make good money, right? They do good, but it's not like earth shattering. So this is a time for them to go. Let's see what we can get away with. Yeah. Well, and I, don't, yeah. And, I don't, and I don't fault them for that. That's their property, their company. But as consumers, you need to make the decision of what is best for you, and you need to tell giant corporations when enough is enough because they'll they'll keep pushing as long as they can. I predict that this will make more money than uh, Trolls World Tour did. That's a bold prediction, man. Trolls World Tour cleaned up. Probably right though. So yeah, no, like. Mulan was one of my daughter's uh, favorite movies when she was a kid, so, you know, I know she'll be getting it, so we'll see. Well, yeah, I mean, all of these live-action remakes are literally just, you know, we have the story already written, just, you know, get some CGI in, and, and then 
collect our bags of cash. That's literally um, it. All right. So, so moving on real quick, uh, we had talked about the we, we talked about this as a rumor a while ago that they were going to be making a Tron three and Jarrett Leto would be starring in it. Uh, it <sighs> appears they're moving forward with this movie and Garth Davis, uh, director of the movie Lion. Never heard of it. Uh, will be humming this Tron movie starring Jarrett Leto. Um, yay, nay? John, you sighed audibly, so I assume you have something to say. Hey, I watched the original Tron in, um, in the theaters. I've interviewed Bruce Boxleitner yes. on our show. Go, go to our site <laughs> and find it. Um, but, uh, but yeah, um, the second Tron, did not make me like happy. I, it was, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't like they could have done so much more with it. And they, I think they, this, um, side, the side quest thing with the, the new life forms or whatever, uh, kind of drained from the storyline that they could have had. So I don't know. I, I, and this, this third movie can't possibly be part of like some, overarching idea that they had when they wrote the second one. So I'm, I'm interested, but not, you know, like I'm not going to pay 30 bucks for it. I'll, I'll, I'll wait until it's like, you know, rented for five bucks or just part of my subscription. Yeah, no, I don't, I, I, I mean, they, there's so much more they could do it. They need a, a good, a, you know, they need a good writer or a couple of writers who are also well-versed in technology that could actually do something with it. Like the old uh, reboot animated uh, show, which was actually the very first CGI animated yes. um, TV show in the world um, by a group called Mainframe. Um, they, they did stuff in that show that um, blew away anything in the second so- Tron movie. Like, yeah, you know, some of the concepts that they had and all that. So, you know, really, really interesting, really uh, tied to technology and and really original. And so uh, I, I but, but it's starring Jared Leto doesn't change your mind at all. <laughs> no, <sighs> no, because it's not about it's not about the actor. It, with Tron, the Tron movies are about um, the setting and and the technology and the the visuals Right. So um, the storyline has to be good. Don't get me wrong. Um, but this is one of the few times where I'm, I'm more interested in the art direction and the, you know, and, and the, 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 the tracking and the, you know, all the, the CGI that they put into it and all that. Um, so, you know, it, it's I don't know. The, the storyline isn't as important as normal for me, but, you know, they still have to have a better storyline than Tron, too. And. Jared Leto, I'm not, I don't know, I'm not a fan. I just, but I, I don't dislike him. I just, I'm kind of soured after the whole Joker thing. Come on, JD, JD you, you can <laughs> so, save this. Come on, he was visually stunning as the Joker, right? <laughs> I have no emotional connection to this property, nor do I have an opinion on this third film, <laughs> which I find to be unnecessary, but it's not for me, so. See, that's that's the kind of the problem though, because the the first movie was at a time when all this technology stuff was new, and the, it was very self aware of that, and it it 
it was very imaginative and used um it, it was a really interesting look into you know quote unquote behind the scenes of technology what was going on with programs and stuff and and a lot of it tracked with how technology actually worked back then and if they had done the same kind of imaginative storyline with Tron 2 you might have been more interested but you're younger than me a lot younger where all my time go um so where basically you've grown up in technology and you don't it doesn't hold the same um was it the, the, the same wonder as it did for my generation, right? Yeah, sure. So it would have to be really good to catch your attention, right? It's and if it's good. like another emoji movie, then screw it. <laughs> yeah, I got nothing. Oh, that's what we need. Emojis too. Uh, uh, no, electric God, boogaloo. No. So, um, all the aliens in the universe would find us and destroy us. <laughs> all right, all right. So I think we can skip the next article, um, and. We can talk about this other one next week because I want to get to our topic discussion and we're running a little long. So, uh, we, always- we made, we made John do homework and he's upset about it. So, so we can't. Poor baby. So we're. What did you say? I said poor baby. So as we uh, stated last week, we are a comic book podcast. So we want to talk about comic books. Now this isn't, this isn't a review of a, what, 25? year old comic 35 oh my 35. god i am old uh 35 year old comic um but it's just more of a discussion uh i had forgot about all the social commentary in it from when i originally read it so it's kind of interesting how some of yeah. it uh it doesn't matter what decade we're in some of it still stays the same uh, i think it made quite a few good points uh in the story so 1985 Spectacular Spider-Man number 107 to 110. Uh, it is. Um, I, 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 I may have like, um, done the wrong assignment because I didn't, I, I not only read 107 to 110, but also issues 134 to 136. Why did you do that? Because they're part of the storyline, actually. Well, we were just talking about the original storyline, which is just the four issues. So I'm not sure why you did extra mm-hmm. work. A bit, uh, well, a bit, no, a bit, I, I, well, it was it was actually when you buy it on Comixology, it, that's actually like part of the story. Like when you buy um, Spider-Man: The Death of Gene DeWolf, those are the extra issues that are included uh, with it. Now, apparently, okay. that includes uh, Electro and basically the death of Sin Eater. So uh, I was wondering how they were trying to justify spending twelve dollars on a four-issue comic. Interesting. Yeah. So there's an, a cup. There's four extra issues. So, or three, three, three extra issues. So I, I actually and, have it in a, a hard uh, cover collection of, uh, so it's, called, it's the Masters uh, collection or, or uh, what's it called? Oh, Master Edition Spider-Man stories. So, and it's like five of the best Spider-Man stories ever written. Um, of course, we're talking about the death of Gene DeWolf, written by Peter David, uh, art by Rich Buckler, and. Um, We've met yes, Peter David on too. The show. Um, yeah. So the interesting thing is, this is the so Peter David actually started out with Marvel in sales and got moved over to editorial, mm-hmm. and this is the second uh, story he wrote for Marvel. Uh, he did a one shot. Uh, it was a few issues before this. I don't remember what it is off the top of my head, and 
Here cometh the commuter. Oh, okay. This is where Spider-Man takes the train out to uh, the suburbs and can't swim. Yes. <laughs> uh, a joke they've done in the cartoons and in the Homecoming. So. Yeah, that's Peter David's yeah. joke. Um, so there you go. Uh, so this story, I'm trying to think. Like, so okay, so so given just the four issues, not the death of Sin Eater. Um, John, uh, just mm-hmm. real quick, what was your impression? Have you, did you read this before, uh, this? Was this your first time reading it? No. Okay. What was your yes. initial impression of the story? Eh, it was good. Now, what do you think, Jamie? <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I, I, I'm, I'm, uh, it's a lot, well, it's Peter David, right? It's the, the storyline has a lot, like you said, a lot of social commentary and some of it, some of it, which is still, um, relevant today, which is kind of sad. Um, very relevant today, as a matter of fact. Uh, just one question. Like I tried to look this up. He was wearing the black costume. Spider-Man was wearing black costume, but that wasn't the no, symbiote. So there was the time, a right? weird transition period in the comics where he got rid of the symbiote, but he still wore a black costume. Now, of course, they justified okay. it, I believe, by saying uh, people got used to him in the black costume, blah, blah, blah. I think artists just like drawing it, and I think maybe some stories were written before they realized about the transition, so they kind of just had him in the black costume as well. It was a shooter thing, too. Shooter like the black costume. That was an era in Marvel where a lot of the superheroes were getting uh, revamped costumes. And uh, the black suit was kind of leading the charge in the mid-80s. Plus, they also had a line of Secret Wars toys that were making Marvel a lot of money. Well, that's true. And the more you put guys in the black hot, the more you put people in the black hot, or Peter in the black costume, the more likely you were to sell a few more toys. Hmm. Worked worked on this kid. (laughs) So... I ask, I ask because he, uh, Peter Parker seems a hell of a lot more angry than which I'm, I kind I'm of wonder to. if this was written before, like still storing the symbiote um, phase, but then didn't get okay to be published until after the symbiote. Because yes, and and I, we'll get into like there's a. There is a part in this story that it feels tacked on to me, um, and I, w- I want to get to that, well, which deals with okay. his anger, and it's like, yeah, it just doesn't make sense to me, but something comes out of it that, that makes sense, though. Well, okay, so to, to finish up then um, quickly, the uh, – I okay, so the, the, the um, discourse between the characters is, you know, 1980. 1980 ish. Yeah. So, you know, it feels these days it feels kind of dated and, and stunted and, you know, I'll, but, but the, the emotion, per, the emotions portrayed and the uh, situations between the characters and Peter Parker's struggle with, um, hurting people and all that, um, is really good. I mean, it's, uh, it, it makes you feel some, actually feel something for the character because some of the situations, um, as in real life, don't have a real, uh, you know, there's no black and white answer. And it dives into that, which is bold, which is why I always liked Peter David's stuff. So, 
yeah, I, 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 I this was really good. This was a treat to, to read. Uh, how about you, JD? Did you read this before? Uh, no, actually, I've never read this particular oh. story before. I've known of it almost my entire fandom, but I've never, I've never read it. Like when I was collecting, I was collecting amazing, yeah, not spectacular. Right. And so, um, like I have, I remember about two, 12 years ago. Or so my wife bought me this DVD that had every issue of Amazing Spider-Man up to like, I've, up the JMS era on it, but it was amazing. So, I mean, like I knew of Jean DeWolf. Like I remember her from her interactions with Peter in that book in the seventies. Uh, I had not read this. I knew of it. So this is my first time actually reading it. And uh, it's pretty, it's pretty decent. Like, um, some of the, it's not my favorite Peter David story, per se. I, I really like this Hulk run mm-hmm. a lot more. I think this this book itself suffers from a lot of the uh, the shooterisms of mid '80s Marvel. Like you, the things had to be overwritten. Like things had to be basically written out three times for people to explain, so people would yeah. get them. It makes yeah, yeah. it makes for um it it makes for reading back on things a little bit tricky. I feel say about the Claremont stuff, but I think Claremont was a little bit better at it. And again, this is this is early in Peter David's career. I think the plot is is pretty dang good. Like we talked about, you guys mentioned why it was so angry. Um, Jim Owsley, who uh, as we know now is Christopher Priest became the editor on the book, and he was looking for a way to differentiate spectacular. I went to the Wikipedia after reading it. Um, he was looking for a way to differentiate spectacular from amazing, because they struggle with that, Marvel. Like, those books have a tendency to, why read Web of mm-hmm. or Friendly Neighborhood or Spectacular Spider-Man? We can just read the basic, the, all the good stuff happens in Amazing Spider-Man. Uh, so his idea was to uh, make the stories a little more grown up, was his words. So he wanted a serious story that featured the death of Gene DeWolf. Now, this is, that was the editorial edict. So this is nothing new, editorial edicts. And Peter David had to go from there. Um, I feel like this is a story that really encapsulates the mood of the 1980s. Like, there's some Son of Sam, which I know is the 70s, but there's definitely, you can tell Peter, da- Peter David grew up in New York in, mm-hmm. the, in the 70s. Because, mm-hmm. like, the Sin Eater, the, the, the email Greg stuff is very Son of Sam. And then at the end, it's very Bernie Getz. Oh my God. So, you know, it felt very, it felt very 1980s to me. It's also 1985. So you're talking about this is literally the beginning of the comics aren't for kids anymore mm-hmm. phase in pop culture. So it's this, this book is actually kind of coming out at the same time as Watchmen and as Mark Ruinwald's Squadron Supreme and as Dark Knight Returns. Like it's in that era. So Spider-Man is angry it's a darker story yeah um it's it, it's really the mood of of in of mainstream comics of the time is they were trying to elevate the medium and i think this i think for me the big reason why i, I like didn't love it was because i think i think a year later in 87 it's done i think it's 87 86 or 87 it's about a year later i think dematis does a better job with this type of story with craven's last hunt Right. And I, I don't think Dark Spider-Man is a well you can go to too often. So I guess like, I guess for me, it, it falls a little bit short because it's, it, it's not as good as Last Hunt. It's good, but it's not, it's not as good. But I think this story actually winds up playing a more important role in continuity. Are, are you saying you can't go to the Dark Spider-Man well too often because Spider-Man is supposed to be more, one of the more upbeat, yeah, characters. Or? Yeah, I, I agree with that. Like same with Superman. Like you can make you can tell dark stories involving the character. You can. I'm have no problem with that. Yeah. You can't, but you can't do it all the time. And I you, feel you like can't, you can't go Zack Snyder on it. Basically, you can't. No, but I mean, like I, again, I feel like 
again, there's nothing wrong with this story. I liked it. It's a good story. I just don't think it's as good as the one that sets the tone for what a Dark Spider-Man story should be. That's um, just a personal opinion. Yeah, and I definitely was in the, the same boat as you, JD. Like, I was an amazing Spider-Man kid growing up. Um, I had a few issues of Spectacular here and there just because of tie-ins, you know? Right. Um, and I probably, I probably originally read this story again, um, just like Watchmen when I was a little older, like in my mid-twenties. Mid to late twenties is when I, like, first read it. And I think the first thing that struck me about it, at rereading it again especially, is how much grittier it is than a, than your average Spider-Man uh, story, like like the and it is definitely a darker tone. And uh, actually, I it was funny because there's tidbits in my in my hardback uh, collected edition, and it's like even though Gene DeWolf had not been in any Spider-Man titles for over a year, um, when they decided to kill her off in this, the uh, Peter David got a ton of angry letters, which is funny because it was a Ugh. Uh, editorial edict and not his decision. Just the same thing as Gwen Stacy a decade before. Jerry Conway didn't want to, you know, well, actually I take the back. Jerry right. Conway did want to do it. Huh. I, I withdraw. I withdraw the comparison. But but still, he was told. To well, do it, it was right? one of those things just they like... wanted to kill either her, or Mary Jane, and Stanley always said for decades, like he had, was going off to like Comic Con or a conference or something, and he's like. Look, I trust you guys. You just decide while I'm gone. And then, and then he came back <laughs> and found out they killed off, um, Gwen Stacy. And he was like, wait a minute. I thought you were going to kill off the party girl. So. No. So they no, made the ki- right decision. Is what <laughs> yeah. You said. don't kill off the redhead. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> because you can't kill redheads. They have no. Story. Um, <laughs> this is never, this is a conversation for a different day. So, um, <laughs> one I'm willing to, one I um, want to have. Um, so getting to the, 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 grittiness and something that like to me set this apart right away like the move that one of the things that makes this story good not great but good is the way he gives you exposition he changes it it's not always the same thing like in uh the dark knight returns it's always through the tv news right that's how you get all your exposition <laughs> this we're getting exposition about gene DeWolf and her growing up in the beginning of the story which is all her life flashing before her eyes as she's dying in her apartment, you know? So right away you're like, Oh, this is different. <laughs> this isn't for kids. It was kind of horrifying actually when you realize why, I mean like, right. So it's like, Oh, okay. I get it now. Um, and then later on we did use the news and I can't think of the, there's a third way I was thinking earlier that I really liked. Um, but so, so not to, well, so not, to go into too much, let's, okay. Alright, so we talked about the greediness, we talked about our impression. What's something that, uh, you didn't like about this story? Which Either one. Huh? Yeah, JD. Oh, um. Unless you want me to go. I do feel like this was one of those things that felt like an editorial edict. Cause like you said, Gene, De- and again, this isn't ready reading in retrospect, is when characters are often killed in comics, they show up to die. And I feel like in this case, Gene DeWolf shows up to die because it's not like she had been playing a large role. Even like even reading this in, you know, ex post facto, you can tell she's in the story to die. Well, because she isn't even like, in the story. She's right. It's called the death of Gene DeWolf, but the death of Gene DeWolf was really like 
the what kicks right. the story off. It's really more the the saga of the Sin Eater. And so I guess that's um I guess that's where I feel this is like it doesn't it doesn't have the emotional like the death of a character should have a big emotional punch. And even though I did not grow up in the era of reading Gene DeWolf comics, because this this was uh man, I couldn't even read when this book was printed. Um hmm. so for me, I don't feel like they're telling me the connection, but I didn't feel it. Like, I didn't feel like this is, like, Spider-Man takes all these deaths super hard. It's part of the character. And it happens to him repeatedly. But there's a reason why, like, like the quintessential Spider-Man deaths are, are, made, are excuse me, are um, um, Uncle Ben and, and Gwen Stacy. You know, and Gene DeWolf's always down the list of that. So, I mean, it just felt like a death for the sake of a death. And the story that comes off it is good, but I just, it felt, it feels like what it is. It feels like an editorial edict book. Well, even it didn't even Sin Eater basically, you know, when they was asked why he killed her, he said just because. Yeah, it's see, but I, get, I get it. I mean, that's actually a real like again. You talk about like I talk about Son of Sam and Zodiac and those kind of things. Mm-hmm. Though that's where the influence. And I like the Sin as a character. Terrible, terrible name <laughs> for a for a for a character. Yeah. Terrible name, but. Um, the influences of the character, even in his design, are more like Zodiac, Son of Sam, you know, the Texarkana killer, that kind of thing. So I, I dig the concept of this, but it just, it just doesn't fit to me. Like, well, could, could, couldn't that have been when he wrote that line? You know, when when he answered the question of why he killed her, he, and he said, um, just because, could that have been like Peter David actually, like, you know, um exposing a little bit of the, the reasoning behind killing the character. It was just because to, possibly, to create this story. Possibly. I don't think Peter Gabriel, Peter David, I almost called him Peter Gabriel. I almost <laughs> called him like Peter David was um, established enough in this comic career to make those kind of grandiose stands. So it could have been a subliminal thing. It could have I mean like, mm. it feels to me more like the justification for those type of yeah. serial killers, the serial, like serial killers tend to not like murders tend to be crimes of passion. Like usually, if you kill someone, you if you get murdered, you know the person that killed you. Yeah. These you, serial killers it tends to be a little bit more random. So that, like I said, it fits to me. I just, I, you know, my thing is, I feel like this would have been a better Batman story than I feel <laughs> as a Spider-Man story. I, 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 I concur. I kind of felt like in some of the beats, it's like, is this a Batman story that was just made to work for Spider-Man? Or, or dare like it's funny that Daredevil has such a big presence in this book because it almost feels more like a daredevil story than a spider-man story like and this one just feels off-brand to me yeah how about you john anything that sticks out that you really didn't like uh i mean not as as far as the storyline is concerned um i have less of a um um i'm less invested in it than you or jd because i wasn't a, a marvel comics guy at that so i don't have like all of the background issues you know, memorized and all that, but, um, the, uh, I mean, the, like I said, the, the eighties, uh, stilted over explaining and all of that, um, where they're, they're basically like actors on a stage, uh, on, on a stage in a park yelling at the top of their lungs, their lines, because so the back, uh, the back rows can hear them. It, that's kind of what it felt like to me. Like I could get into the storyline, which was, you know, pretty good. And, and I got all of the commentary and the, the emotions that they were trying to portray, but the, um, conveyance was a bit too in my face. That's why DC was better in the eighties. 
because they were mm. much better at being subtle. Like I said, you, this is the same time as as Watchmen, and and you know, the, like what Danny O'Neill is doing on Batman and uh, and those type of things. Like those books are written a little bit more sophisticated. Yeah, you, you, you know? could you could you could see they would show like a panel with just a look on one of their faces, and right. that would be worth like three panels here where they're oh, you know, they're saying I feel this anger and I have to do this. But you, it's like, yeah. you can't blame the writers. Like that's like when I call it shooterisms, that's literally what Jim Shooter, Jim Shooter ruled an iron fist over at Marvel. Sold a lot of books, but I mean, at the same time, like I don't think in 30 plus years after the fact, they read quite as well as right. older DC stuff does. Like you can pick up Swamp Thing, like Alan Moore's Swamp Thing from the eighties and it reads right. great. Mm-hmm. This is, it's, it's harder to read. And that was because of, the editorial edicts at the time. And to be frank, it sold better. Like I get why they were doing it because they didn't care about, they were caring about selling today's books. They weren't giving a crap about what a bunch of dudes were going to think about it 35 years later. Mm. Um, yeah, they, they were, they were selling pulp, um, pulp stories and not like, um, art. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that, that's, I think one of the things that, um, bothered me about this book is it felt like it could have been, cut down to two or three issues like it didn't need to be four it's very bad, bad. and it's, it's funny bad. because there is no like i want to there's you're, no writing there's no writing for the trade I, I, in this era and you're and you're not counting the other three issues dave where you know it shows like you know the the well, basically the I, denouement no, of the like, story i'm also kind of used to the the backup stories where there's like two storylines going on in a book and that could pad an issue out. Mm-hmm. Like there is none of that. This is yeah, there's, there's, there's no, no subplot. subplot. This is a totally mm-hmm. contained story about uh, a serial killer and what it does to the city of New York and what happens. Which is very that's very odd for comics in this era to yes. do that. And uh, and then and then it was like the other the the real issue I have with it is the amount of anger. Peter Parker, Spider-Man has over this whole thing. Like that. That's why I asked you about the symbiote. Cause it just, it didn't seem like his normal characterization. It, to the point where know? it, um, he's like, when we get to the climax and he's fighting the sin eater and he's beating the pulp out of him and daredevil comes in to stop him, uh, from killing the sin eater. It's like, you know, like, I don't, it's very rare that, 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 that he goes that far and to go that far for a character who was not, not an, an ally, not right, a friend, and, you know, like she didn't know the secret identity. Exactly. She was a, this isn't, she was this a, wasn't, she was a, back, yeah. she was a supporting character. Now, if, if I can interject here, so I think that what, what, uh, Peter David was trying to convey was the reason why he was so angry was because Spider-Man was had a working relationship with Jean and like then he found the clippings that said that she might have had feelings for him. And I believe I read that at one point she had told Peter that she loved him. But it was when the symbiote was um, it was when he his suit was actually the symbiote and the symbiote was like was basically using him like a puppet. So he was he was unconscious at the time. Um, so he didn't, he didn't, he doesn't even know that she actually felt that way about him, but, yeah, but, it's, but it it's didn't all, track, it didn't track that the clippings and finding that out, um, would instantly so, translate to, oh, I'm really so, angry about this now. 
right? Yeah, it doesn't work, man. I kind of felt work. like, and this is what I was talking about, the thing that it felt tacked on to me. It felt like they did it so they could have Spider-Man fight Daredevil. Because, oh, oh, absolutely. Because that's something that would sell books. <laughs> oh, look, they're going to fight each other. Let's go buy this issue of, of Spectacular Spider-Man. And it was like... What's a very, that's a very Marvel story. I know. And, and it's like, this story, to me, would work better if you didn't put that in. I, I, and again, I think Peter David, I guess, knew. Right. At the time. I think if this is five years later in his career, he writes a yes. better story. I don't think, again, it's not bad by any stretch of the imagination. Like, it's good, but there's like, there, it, it feels like everyone's really trying to go for something. Do you, do you think that he was told to add a fight in between Spider-Man and Daredevil? Yeah, yeah. guarantee it. Okay, so I yeah, so yeah, so if he, it went by five years later, not not experienced that he would have written a better story, it was he would have had so, more control. So, oh no, I think he would have done it better. I think he would have made it work a little better. I think he would have set up because I want to say this is his. Fr- I want to say these are his first four issues on the title. Mm-hmm. So, like, so after trashing Peter David, what's something that you liked about the story? <laughs> Oh, Peter David's a great writer. He has a great oh, yeah. handle on Spider-Man's voice. He understands the world. Like, he's not bad. Like, he's not a bad writer. Peter David gave me an awesome review for a script once, so he's <laughs> he is one of my favorite writers. Like, there's nothing wrong with anything he did. I really feel like this is Jim Owsley trying to make Jim Shooter happy. Hmm. Yeah. You know, and trying to do something. That's what I that's where I think the story like I think it's editorial that hurts this thing more than anything. Okay. But is there anything that stands out as like a a really cool moment in the story or? Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, no, no, I I will gladly take this as you can think. Um, they one of the things that stood out to me was the the back technically the background. It was the social commentary on what people were thinking about the police. And what when when they found out that Zenita was actually one of the cops, um, and then what the police were thinking about the population, and it's like it is it is so freaky to read that in a comic in 1985, and we're there are still protests going on about Trayvon about you know Trayvon Martin and 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 all these um, black people that have been killed by the cops, so it's kind of. I, and and it they, that was that kind of situation was even mentioned that there was the black priestness, so it, it's really, I, uh, um, yeah, uh, his voice, the writer's voice in this, Peter David's voice was was I mean he he you're like he said world building is interesting and it's it's not just like the two characters going or. Spider-Man and Daredevil and whatever, just going through this paint by numbers thing because the world around them is also interacting and there's things happening that are, that affected the story later, which I thought was, you know, cool because they like, you know, they tried to mob the, um, the police, uh, uh, the, was it the, the police officer, uh, police office and, um, find it gets sin eater and they, the mob tried to take him out. Um, so yeah, it's, it was a, it's a living world, and I thought that was interesting. And then uh, it kind of acted like we still are today, which was also sad. Which makes it makes him a good writer because you know that's uh, is spot on there, and and it makes you think, you know, um, especially about 
you know, um, forgiveness and are you a good guy or a bad guy if you leave the bad guy to die and all that. And, you know, kind of called into question some of DC's things where they always let the, the bad guys live, <laughs> uh, to, to, to come back and hurt people later. Um, not, not that Marvel doesn't do that, but still it was like they, they, he was, they, they were actually calling it into question here. Should I just, you know, turn around and walk away? He killed like five people. I'll just let the mob have them. That's, that's a really, um, deep subject. And I'm sure that could, that if you queried readers of this, half of them would say, yeah, I walk away. And the others would say, no, I'd have to pick them up and let justice deal with them. Right. And, and it would even change depending on the day you asked them. So it's, I like that about this story. Yeah, me too. I agree with everything you said there. Again, I just don't know if Spider-Man's the right character to do it. Right. Yes. Yeah. Again, that, that was, and again, I'm not a Marvel guy, but every characterization of uh, Spider-Man I've ever read, he's more upbeat. He definitely has this moral compass mm-hmm. and, you know, so yeah, it, it was kind of discordant. Yeah, it just, it just feels like a Batman story to me or mm. sorry. That's my biggest qualm with it. One of the things that I, um, one of my things that I trouble, not trouble, um, my frame of reference for this story gave me issues with this because of what the Sin Eater, of how the Sin Eater influenced Marvel continuity. Which, like, it's the birth of Venom. Like, Eddie Brock is the one who writes the article. And that, that, and where, um, where Emil, uh, oh shoot, I forget his name. The fake email, whatever, the email Greg is, reveals himself to be the Sin Eater. In, it was retroactive continuity, but Eddie Brock wrote that story and Eddie Brock lost his career because of it. And that became the motivation for him to right. become Venom. So part of me is reading this, knowing what's going to happen, but that wasn't the plan at the time. So oh, interesting. And, I didn't catch and it, that. And it was, and I'm, I know it doesn't fit, but I'm trying in my head, I'm trying to fit the pieces together to do head kite do head cannon. And it was just like, Again, I think that that takes away a little bit from my not enjoyment of it, but like just thinking about stuff while I was reading it, connecting right, dots right. that weren't there as well. Yeah, no, I, I get that, um, and it's interesting too because it the one of the things I was thinking about reading this is um, going building off of what John said about the social commentary, right, and and what makes you a good guy, you know, and and, and a hero, and um. And it kind of, it's like, you sit there and go, well, if they had ended the story at the apartment, or I'm sorry, at J. Jonah James' house when they're fighting, when Peter's fighting the Sin Eater, if, if Matt came in at that point and said Peter, called him Peter to make him stop, you know, and then you have that, con- and then you can cut out the rest of the whole issue and end with them having their conversation on the rooftop, you know, about, and again, that's so Batman. It's <laughs> a Batman. Thing. But you know, Sorry. let them have the the conversation. Just have a quick conversation about you know, uh, justice versus uh, vigilantism, blah blah blah, and and left it there. But you know, this whole you get this whole fourth issue that broadens the entire story. You know, and I kind of wonder. But that, but that's good because life really is messy like that right well no 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 i'm not, i'm saying like you have the conversation between spider-man and daredevil about mm-hmm. about this without having to show the entire what i'm what i'm getting at is 
the question is, is if they, this is considered one of the best Spider-Man stories, right? Um, has been for a long time. But if you remove that social commentary, is it just a throwaway story? You know? Pretty much. Though, like, I, I would think that the, the whole thing is made a good story by the fact that you're, you know, they're, they're calling into question, what's a hero? What should you do in this situation? This guy murdered Bull, but, you know, his mind was affected, but he might not be crazy and, and he's just, you know, and it turns out he was crazy and, um, who's the good guy? And yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, I, I think that's what the, that, that's the meat of the story. You can't take that away without making it just, like you said, a throwaway. Yeah. I mean, I think the real message is you can't trust S.H.I.E.L.D., but that's a whole other story. <laughs> well, I thought that was the basis of every, every story with them. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Cause I always, cause I always thought that was such a weird, and I understand why they did it, but at the same time, it still felt like a weird thing to add. Like, Earlier in the story, when they mentioned that he was a former agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., it's like, well, that's going to come back to play later in the story, right? Or he's going to be a main recurring character for the future. But I kind of had a feeling like, no, Mm -hmm. this is going to be a beat repeated in the story for some reason later on, you know? And uh, And it's just kind of there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, there could have been a thousand reasons why this guy was a serial killer, but, um, you know, no, S.H.I.E.L.D. did experiments on him. Gave him PCP, they, which is so such weird. an 80s. And thing. it might, it might, yeah. but that, but that again, like that might be another editorial decision. No, I think like, it probably was. That's all. Well, we got to make the Marvel Universe connect. You know, it just, yeah, yeah, yeah. It would, it would have made the storyline more impactful if the whole thing, like even, even him, was basically sometimes their people are bad, right? Like or crazy, and and that would have extended the whole social commentary out even more, but they had to make it shoot. Right. And again, I feel oh, like, go no, go ahead, I, I was going to say, and, and again, it goes back to the Batman versus Spider-Man idea with the story is, um, the whole thing is when they're attacking and, uh, the precinct at the end and, and they're beating up Sin Eater and Daredevil goes down to stop him and Spider-Man just, that is not a Spider-Man move. Like he always yeah. tries to save the, the villain. You know, like they, they've written that story a thousand times. So that is one of the things that doesn't work with Spider-Man's voice, I think, in this story. Yeah, I, I agree with that. It just, like I said, this, it feels like, it feels like Batman. I'm just going to keep saying it, you mm-hmm. know? You know? No, fair but, enough. And I also feel like Marvel had a character similar to this with the scores of the underworld that is similar to the Sin Eater, but I think a little bit I don't want to say better, but just it was right at the same time too that they're doing the Mark Greenwald's doing the Scourge of the Underworld thing as I look it up, and it just I don't know, man. It felt like that character worked better than the Sin Eater. Definitely had a better name. Right. All right. All right. Well, I think, and unless you guys have something else you want to add, I think we've uh, I think we've talked this one to death. So um, um, mm. I guess I say I recommend like if you like. Spider-Man, you like Peter David, you want to read a story that did become influential in continuity down the road, um, and you've never read it, go check it out. There's plenty, you can get it on Comixology, you can, there's plenty of hardback, uh, graphic novel collections of this story that you can grab. Um, I recommend it. What do you, do you, 
guys recommend it? John? Yeah, yeah, I would. Keep in mind the time in which it was written, but um, otherwise, yeah, I would, I would recommend it. I enjoyed it, and like, you know, I, it's, it's, uh, I'm a DC guy, so. Yeah. All right, JD? It's good. It's not Craven's last hunt, but it's good. Cool. Hmm. I think we'll have another comic next week. Um, I think at this point we'll have to jump to DC and maybe do a Batman story. We'll, we'll talk about it off air. Uh, but keep in tune for that. And, uh, before we wrap it up for the week, any recommendations? John? One. Uh, a, uh, there's a, a, a new anime out there called Decadence. And it is, it, if you watch the first episode, you pretty much think you know where the whole thing's going to go. And then the second episode basically walks up to you, punches you in the face, and then kicks you in the groin. Um, it's a really, really, really good anime. And there's only five episodes so far. Um, they're released weekly. And uh, it's, um, it's, on, it's on Hulu. And uh, it's well worth the watch. All right. I don't currently have that service, but I'll look for it. Yeah, but it's called it's called Deca uh, Deca Dense, uh, and it's on. Um, let me see here. Anime. Yeah, it's it's on uh, it's on Hulu. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> JD. So I found this uh, this app on Roku called Rasslin. It's R A S S I N. No, it's what's great. It's uh, it's a wrestling app, but I mean, what it does is it randomly generates a video that I'm pretty sure lives on YouTube. So you just turn the app on, and it will randomly generate something for you to watch. And I have seen things from the 50s. <laughs> I have seen things from the 80s. I've seen Japanese stuff, some current independent, modern independent stuff, and you have no control over it. I don't even know how this, some of this stuff is legal, to be honest with you. So I'm enjoying this app before it gets taken down. Is this I, like chat roulette? <laughs> I don't know what that is. So I'll oh. say maybe. There's a uh, reason why you don't know where it is. Yeah, it's it's a fun little app, man. If you if you are a fan of old school pro wrestling and and don't mind letting something have a whirl, download the wrestling on Roku app and just uh hit hit play and see what comes up. I've seen some fun stuff. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, we'll be wrestling with that. Uh, I just love the name. Uh, 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 me too. I do also love. It. All right. Well, I, as always, will recommend that you go to superheroespeak.com and check out the podcast every week. Plus, uh, comic reviews by our good friend D Square. And, uh, if you haven't had enough of me for this week, uh, make sure you go over and check out So Wizard, uh, this week. As I was a, as I mentioned earlier, I was a guest. We talked about our favorite comedies, uh, some of the news that you've already heard on this show, but you can hear Joey and Mark Ellis's and Aubrey's, uh, take on the news as well. And, uh, yeah, that's all I got. Uh, I haven't been doing anything else. So, so yeah. On that note, boys and girls, as always, thanks for listening. Don't let your cape get caught in the door. Have a good week.